Hi, this is Joanne Dennison, uh, welcoming you to another episode of Sit in the Attendee's Chair. Glad you are joining us. We're going to have a really interesting conversation today on a topic we haven't even touched on before, which is amazing how many different bunny trails I go down in a given podcast with people. So this will be new and interesting and exciting. Hopefully they all are new, interesting and exciting. But uh, let me start by introducing who is uh, with us. Um, uh, first in the studio to my right is, of course... Steve the Great, who has now pushed the record button for the second time. <laughs> Yeah, Mercury's in retrograde right now, for those of you that that means anything. We've had some challenges getting this one going today. Um, and uh, also on our um, team, uh, coming in by Zoom from Boston is... Hi, it's Kelly. Yay! So, um, and our guest today is Sharon DeFelices, CMP... You have a DES also, right? V-E-M-M, -M, which... V-E-M-M. Yeah. -M. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry. Okay, that's so okay. much for me remembering to look up the credentials at the, at the same time. But <laughs> mostly it's CMP. You know I care. And the reason I care is I met Sharon because she came to take my CMP class in the fall of 2018. And uh, luckily we have uh, remained in touch and... Um, really, I've been really excited to watch her develop this this project that she's going to be talking about today. Uh, so we're going to start with our, you know, the long winding road to where we are now. So um, tell us how you got where you are. Where'd you start? <laughs> <laughs> it all started with a big passion for nutrition. Um, yeah, I, th I feel like nutrition has been something that since I was a teenager was always a part of my life. So I started my uh, professional career in clinical dietetics and community education for nutrition with a degree from Penn State. And while I absolutely have been passionate about nutrition my whole life, it drove me nuts in the beginning because I was talking to people for whom nutrition was like a penalty. It was, you know, a doctor said, you have to speak to this person or a healthcare professional told someone that they needed to meet with me. Um, because of a disease state or you know something that was going on in their life so there was not this matched enthusiasm which <laughs> I didn't know I needed but I clearly needed so this you know you make the reference of a long and winding road and it really has been because I pivoted as much as we don't want no use no that no word. not that word never that word I know, but I did <laughs> and and I went strictly into like corporate wellness and community education for nutrition and um what does that mean was, what did you do for a corporation so I was teaching uh community education classes i was working as at a personal training studio in new york city and i was their nutrition counselor oh got it so um i was being met with matched enthusiasm for health and wellness and that was amazing to me so i was probably 28 i'm thinking all right how do I turn this into something even greater? And so I went to culinary school and I wanted to marry nutrition with food and become, you know, this kind of like, I'm gonna make you eat healthy food that you don't even realize is healthy food because it's gonna taste so darn good. Um, and I enjoyed a career in culinary arts for probably close to 17 years. Um, a large part of it was in that kind of healthy food space. I trained under a chef who was amazing. He was from France originally, um, but he was at a restaurant called Heartbeat in New York City. And he was the first person who was doing things like poaching, which is now known as sous vide cooking. Mm -hmm. um, he was not using any butter or cream. He was only using vegetable juices and vegetable stocks and fruit juices and fruit stocks to enrich his sauces and so I learned so much from him and, and still carry a lot of those um, culinary practices with me today but um, so did you actually work in his restaurant I did oh wow. I actually worked there for free because I wanted so desperately to to learn from him got it so I spent uh, about a year and a half in his kitchen um, and you know back in the 90s chefs were a little temperamental and um, he was he was no exception to that rule. 
but I learned a lot about really coaxing flavor and cooking in healthy, um, with healthy practices. And so for me, it was, it was like the perfect confluence of these two, these two tracks, culinary arts and nutrition. And, um, you know, I went on to enjoy a lot of, a lot of success in New York city. I, I cooked down on wall street. I had a, a corporate catering type of situation where I was cooking for specialist firms on the New York stock exchange. I had some private clients I was doing catering, but I was really targeted more towards people who were eating after heart attack or eating, um, you know, they needed healthier foods and that wasn't available if you were using like, you know, takeout food or, or local restaurants in that area. So I really created like a nice little niche for myself there. And I loved it. I had such a good time. And then September 11th happened and we'll skip over some of that because I hopped around a lot, but always in the food lane, um, getting different types of experiences. Then I took a really amazing job cooking at a boarding school. It was an all boys performance arts boarding school in New Jersey. I don't think I knew about this one. Oh, so I was the chef at the American Boy Choir School. Oh, wow. And these boys were fourth grade to eighth grade and they were delightful. But what was amazing about it was they were looking for someone like me because the wellness and the nutrition, the nutritional aspect of the food program for these kids was so important to their ability to go out on the road, you know, perform. Wow, they were thinking about that. I mean, the school was actually thinking like we have to have a well person no matter how talented they are. You don't usually hear that in the world of entertainment or the arts or the where there's that kind of support especially that young so i don't know if i mean i found them they didn't find me but in the end it was like i feel i'll say it this way i don't think they knew they were looking for me if that Uh, makes sense yep so when i interviewed i remember talking about how important the the foods and the nutrition and you know just getting these kids like building their immune system so that when they go on the road for three weeks at a time and they're traveling around the country in a tour bus and they're not sleeping in a regular bed and they're They're also kids fourth through eighth grade right (laughs) not known for the best eating habits to begin with no and so i had such an amazing time there and um you know there's I still think about so many of those boys and it was a beautiful place to work because all day long you would hear this choir music. I mean, just coming from every nook and cranny on that campus, it was, it was amazing. Is that in Princeton by Westminster Choir College? Uh, it's in Princeton. It's uh, not close to Westminster, but, but it's, in, it's Princeton. in that area. It is now, unfortunately, sadly, no longer. Yep. Um, I believe they shut down and maybe... 2015 or 16 or something like that but um i was there for close to two years and then the company that the umbrella that i was under Mm -hmm. uh put me on the road and i was touring other boarding schools Mm -hmm. some were performance arts schools like uh ballet academies Mm -hmm. in washington dc and things like that and then other boarding schools along the eastern seaboard and I was doing nutrition education programs. So we would be highlighting gr- ingredients and we would do food events around these ingredients. Every month we would choose like a grain or you know a vegetable mm-hmm. that perhaps they hadn't had. And we would do food events. And then I was also working on training chefs in those on those campuses to understand gluten-free, vegan cooking. Like what does that mean? How do you accomplish that? You know, you have students who are paying an exorbitant amount of money to go to these schools and they were vegan or they were gluten free or they had a soy allergy. Mm -hmm. And as many people know, English is not always the first language for a lot of people who cook. Mm -hmm. So it was important to be able to kind of bridge that gap, show them how to read labels for products that were coming in, show them cooking techniques that were truly gluten free 
you know, if you fry something in a deep fryer that somebody just dropped chicken tenders in, yep. that's no longer a gluten-free product. So there was a there was a lot of education that needed to be shared. Well, and I'm guessing looking, because you said it was a variety of art schools and a variety of, you know, so what someone in the choir needs in terms of, I mean, good nutrition is good nutrition. I get that. Right. But what someone in a choir would need versus a ballet dancer, I would think would also be very different. So understanding how their body's going to process and burn through stuff and what they're going to need and um, before, during, after, uh, leading up. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes none of us are led to believe, you know, it's kind of like a one, very much a one size fits all. This is good nutrition, except depending on what you're doing in your life, your nutrition needs could be very different on top of a million other reasons. It could be very different. But, right. um, hmm. That's very and, interesting. And, you know, as adults, we can say, you know, the same nutritional principles that work in your life don't necessarily work in Steve's life. Right. And yet you're under the same roof. But yep. as children, you know, we, we tend to think like, oh, kids all have the same needs, but they don't. And and then you factor in personal preferences and food, I'll, I'll call them like food biases. So mm-hmm. in a in a ballet school, these girls don't want these girls and boys don't want to eat carbohydrates yep. and yet that's what they need yep. for energy so they want to they want to have fruits veggies and and proteins fruits veggies and proteins well you need carbohydrates so identifying healthier carbohydrates that don't have so much guilt associated with mm-hmm. them is really paramount to building a successful culinary program on campuses like that makes so much sense um yeah which you know obviously we're going to eventually jump to meeting attendees but especially you know people who attend certain events especially if they're centered around anything physical you know that might be a whole nother step we need to think about along with all the differences you're talking about but the fact that um you know it, it might be a group of athletes it might be a group of Anyway, we'll get there, but I'm just thinking ahead to, you know, tailoring your menus among many other things. What were you going to say, Steve? Um, I was going to say, I know you had read where there are many of the uh, performers of rock star rock bands travel with nutritionists now mm-hmm. and how important that is because they, they bounce around on stage. I mean, look at Mick Jagger. You know? <laughs> well, just... Right. And there's so much more healthy, you know, I've got to admit, there's been times I've thought of some of them as like prima donnas for some of their, of course, I'm thinking back to the days of riders with, you know, it can only be Kentucky Fried Chicken, but even the riders now, but there's probably, you know, they know how to balance their body out for them to perform the best and not get sick. So some of the things that we even as people who may hire them, there may be other reasons behind. They're not just being divas. They're not just being a pain. They actually need that for their body to perform correctly. Right. Mm. You know, a lot of these folks are, you know, you look at the increase in interest in like what I call functional and integrative medicine. I'm sure you're seeing it where you live. Doctors are opening practices where they're not necessarily abandoning Western medicine, but they are definitely incorporating more Eastern medicine, but this also kind of functional and integrative approach to wellness where food plays a key role, mm-hmm. a key role. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. And I, exercise. For sure. And, you know, you know, stress reduction and mindfulness and all these yep. other things. But you, you made a, a very good point and it should be repeated a thousand times. We all know what we want to eat and what we need to eat and what we like to eat. And so I, in order to have my body function so that when I'm on site, I can, you know, I can be involved, attentive and at my best for 16 hours, I need to eat a certain way. I need to have certain foods available to me. So one size does not fit all when it comes to food and and nutrition anymore. Right. I think for anything, like you said, kids, adults, our attendees, us as professionals, performers, you know, um, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So after the 
touring performing arts schools, you did what? We're still on so this winding I, road. I'm sorry? We're still on the winding road yeah. <laughs> to becoming a meeting planner. So, and I had had a catering business all through this. I mean, it was it, when I left New York or when I, when I kind of shuttered that business in New York, I still had this catering arm. So I was not a wedding caterer, but I was political fundraisers. I was, you know, corporate events and things like that. So that really stayed with me for many, many years. Um, I was still at the boys school when Paul and I got married and my geography changed. I moved from New York down to Philadelphia. And um, I think in 2014, I decided, okay, working every night, every weekend, every holiday, I wasn't gonna do that anymore. So I hung up the knives for a little bit and I went to work at a conference center, a boutique conference center um, in Lamberville, New Jersey, called the Lamberville Station Inn, which is a lovely riverfront property. And I was their conference director for four years. Um, it was it was an amazing experience because I got to learn all about the hotel side of conference planning and understanding how revenue is perceived and and achieved and approached in a hotel setting, which just made me better at my job. But the benefit of them having me there was that I understood how to have all those food conversations. Mm-hmm. So when a planner or an admin would come in and want to have a meeting, I asked a million questions about the dietary needs of the group. And then I was able to have that discussion with the property chef, who is a dear friend of mine, um, in a, in a respectful way, being, you know, having understanding like his production needs, his schedule, his timelines. And so that was a really healthy bridge there as well. Um, which led me to this project and, and, you know, starting my own business, Mosaic Meetings and Events, and now founding the blueprint for a healthy meeting. Because I feel like it's such a difficult conversation for planners and clients to have at a property if you're not a person who cares that much about what you eat or suffers with some sort of dietary restriction or has a real strong preference. And so it becomes an intimidating conversation that I am happy to host on behalf of anyone who who needs the help. Shoot, just had a thought of what you said go through. Let's go back to Mosaic Meetings. So why did you name it Mosaic Meetings? Oh, all right. I love a mosaic. I think a mosaic is the most beautiful thing in the world. But what is a mosaic? It's It's a gorgeous work put together by a hundred thousand little pieces. And what's an event? An event is a gorgeous work that involves thousands of pieces that need to all come together. And so I used to do mosaics early in the 2000s. It was kind of like a brain dump for me. It was a way to tune out all the noise. And um, when I was looking for a name for my business, my previous business had been called Impeccable Taste. And I love that name, but it was a catering business and I wanted to kind of not be the same. Yeah. I wanted to differentiate what I was doing. So mosaic meetings and events just made sense to me. Very cool. Very cool. I love wow. that name. <laughs> Isn't Thank that a neat so idea, Kelly? It is, yes. Like you can just literally see it. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. it's like almost perfect when you think about it, like all of the small pieces coming together. Right. When you look at each individual piece, it's just a square or a trapezoid or, you know, some odd shape. But when you piece it together with registration and team building and transportation and everything else, it really puts together a a complete picture for an event. So, yeah, that's and you've done some really very cool visual things over the years to be representative of that you know in your marketing and and things like that so uh yeah you you have been so instrumental in helping me see all that and how how to put that out there so i'm i owe you a debt of gratitude there oh well thank you very much (laughs) you know (laughs) i i love doing that kind of thing um so 
let's go on to you know so you started maybe more in more traditional meeting and event planning space and and then brought your your nutrition information in full force when you started creating this blueprint so um, I mean, you still obviously do uh, all the traditional meeting and event things, but you also have this part of you that, like you said, you're glad to have a conversation with anyone. And I think what I was going to say, um, you know, when you were saying that someone may not have the passion or the knowledge or the or are fearful to even have the conversation, and I think that's a lot of it too. Is you know, and maybe it's changed over the years, but. Again, it gets back almost to the diva type of thing that if you ask to speak to the chef at the hotel or you wanted to sit down and talk to menus other than your CSM or your salesperson or whatever, and you ask for special things, you could potentially get this reputation of being, oh, you know, (laughs) she's one of those. She's so picky. And, you know, and I was always a big champion for talk to the chef he or she is incredibly well trained and they don't want to make 300 chicken marsala or 3000 depending on who's in house that week just because it's on the menu like they would love to do something different so talk to them and work with them because i always felt bad you know you'd go to one of the properties and of course their ganging menus are the standard menu had you know chicken marsala or whatever on it and you know that chef had to make it for at least four groups that week that had three to five hundred people in it that's a lot of chicken marsala for someone who is professionally trained to do so much more it's like but people were scared to go off the menu or they didn't know they could go off the menu um so i think fear well a lack of knowledge but and fear were two of the driving forces and i think they still are from talking to people who are in my classes and everything about what you're doing so explain start talking about blueprint give us give us the blueprint give us the structure what does this thing look like so let me let me first say this you you asked why nutrition or why this how this came about food is not quiet for me even though I said I was done cooking, it is an ache in my soul to still, I mean, every, you, my husband will tell you this, we'll be driving somewhere and I'll say, you know, I think I might want to open a restaurant. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> when something is such a passion, it just doesn't disappear. No matter what else you try to do, it's always there. Yep. And so for me, I couldn't quiet it. And then being in events and seeing how many attendee satisfaction surveys would come back and people would say, there was nothing for me to eat for breakfast, or um, I have a food allergy and I didn't feel comfortable that things were labeled or, you know, and food allergies aside, we should still, we should take preference into consideration and we should try to accommodate people as much as we can. And so when I started thinking about what I could do, like a superpower as a meeting planner to differentiate myself, but also offer better service, this was a logical, logical path for me. Um, The chef at the Lambertville station, as I mentioned, is a dear, dear friend. and, And we would have tons of conversations about how much, just like you said, he wanted to be able to do different things, offer that, but have the clients and the groups understand the constraints that he had with production, budget, you know, ordering, things like that. So so because I can understand the rules of that playing field, it's a very easy pa- conversation for me to have. So when I was thinking about this blueprint for a healthy meeting, it was 100% about the food and beverage. And then there was this evolution that came of like, looking at wellness as an overall picture for attendees at an event. So the blueprint for a healthy meeting is basically, what can I do to help ensure that you and your group are going to have a meeting that has better productivity, better enjoyment, better food and beverage, overall better attendee satisfaction. And in turn, better ROI. Right. 
Right. And actually, a lot of things, you you know this hits chords with me because you're well aware of my passion for sitting in the attendee's chair around Maslow's hierarchy. And the very first one is physical needs, you know, where taking care of our attendees' physical needs, including food and, you know, many other things, but since we're focusing a lot on food, so it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I think you and I approach this from very similar but different ways. It's like, we got to take care of the people. They have to be comfortable. They have to be fed. They can't be too ho- cold, too hot. All those things that not being right. able to move around in horrible chairs, not being able to see here, whatever it is that's making them physically uncomfortable because they check out and we lose all that ROI. So you're talking about creating an environment that will allow them and by environment it, i guess it's more than well food could be environment i guess um you're creating an environment for them to fully attend the meeting right and it has taken on a whole new meeting since covid but you know one of the things that i love you mentioned eating ginger a little bit earlier <laughs> and you know i'm a huge fan of ginger so at my meetings instead of the hotel providing the little dish of peppermints and the orange colored hard candies and the green hard candies we have peppermint lifesavers and we have ginger chews because peppermint stimulates learning it stimulates attention it stimulates focus and ginger not only helps you digest what you've eaten exactly but ginger is great for the brain as well with yep. focus and attention. And so those two small things, while they're small, can make a, a sizable difference in without too much like without too much disruption to what an attendee is experiencing. Right. And like uh, another one I know peppermint is great for is headaches. And, you know, when you're in the meeting rooms, especially with some of the lighting or just long day or you've traveled, peppermint could uh, that's a awesome idea to have those two things those are two of my big go-to things peppermints have been since i was in high school and was getting severe migraines you know peppermint is a huge huge help to you when you don't feel good and something like i i did a meeting once where they didn't want candy on the table and Mm -hmm. so we we got peppermint essential oil Mm -hmm. we put it in the center of the table near the water pitcher this mm-hmm. is pre-COVID. And we put wood skewers in the in this jar with the peppermint oil. And so it was almost like a, not a diffuser, because it wasn't blowing, mm-hmm. but the oil was soaking up the skewer and it was just in the air. And it Really, did not, it work that well? I've never done that absolutely. with the... Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. But I it like wasn't that. overwhelming. Right, well, it wasn't chemical. A lot of things, scents that commercial places put in the air have to me a very chemical smell right like air fresheners and and yes. things like that so yeah huh but very. working with you know now now i talk a lot about eating for immunity because that's a that's a <laughs> hot spot. yeah that's a hot button issue for people so when i talk to chefs at venues and we say, okay, you know, what can we do? Can you give me a spinach salad with mandarin segments in a ginger dressing? Because all of that is gonna help me or help an attendee boost their immune system. The citrus and the spinach are gonna be, you know, they have their nutritive properties and then the ginger is really gonna help us with engagement. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I would eat that salad, I think, 70% 70% of people would take some of that salad. And it is it doesn't come um, at too large of an expense if you swap it out for, you know, what's just like a mixed green salad. Right, which gets tossed anyway. Oh, and that was another point right. I was going to make. As you think about what people will eat and what they need is, you know, one of the things I get hot about is food waste, which I know a lot of people do, but you know if anyone's had to hear my tirades on uh sit in the attendees chair and food one of the things i talk about is we create the reason i believe one of the biggest reasons we have a lot of food waste is because we do not plan our menus accordingly um it's either food they won't eat they don't want to eat or is hard to eat 
in the setting that they are in. So I think giving thought to the food, like what's it going to feel like to sit in that environment and eat this food? Are they going to be comfortable the way they're dressed, who they're sitting with, etc.? I really honestly believe from looking at both plates being cleared and buffets and things like that, we create a lot of food that's just tough to eat so people don't. Right. You know, saucy things. There, there are so many aversions that people have from a preferential standpoint. Yep. Even <laughs> um, if they eat it somewhere else, they may not eat it in a work environment where they're dressed up or right. with their boss or someone they're trying to impress or something. I mean, that's how I feel about red sauce, long pasta, anything with bones. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've got my list. <laughs> Cherry tomatoes, I've kind of learned how to navigate, you know, but yeah, because <laughs> I love cherry those, tomatoes. Those are tricky. I mean, they yeah. go squirting across the plate there. Or know, go yeah. skittering across the plate too. you know, you stab it yeah. wrong and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So go so ahead. My hope is that, you know, while the blueprint started more as like, let me have, you know, let, let's have conversations about food. It is now much more comprehensive in terms of its approach, much more of a mosaic Yay. in its approach to a meeting. Because now I'm talking about, you know, the the mixing ventilation, you know, what I'm having conversations at hotels about what is their airflow? Mm-hmm. You know, have they gone back to these energy efficiency settings now that we're no longer mandating masks and, you know, the restrictions have been loosened a little bit. Which is when we should keep the ventilation going you right. know, if everyone's it's very expensive so yeah. as hotels are now trying to recoup some of the lost revenue you yep. know what have they done on their hvac settings and that's hmm. again not something that many people are thinking about nope you know i hadn't <laughs> yeah there's i mean i assumed they had created that stuff and left it you know not necessarily in terms of the hvac but you're right it probably is more expensive and and everything like that. Hmm. And there are settings on HVAC that, you know, I've had I've chosen to educate myself on because I want to I want to speak to the engineer, I want to ask the questions and if it's not standard practice at your hotel, will you do it for us? Will you change that setting and how much is that going to cost? And then I want to be able to establish peace of mind with my clients and their attendees that yes, this is going to be done while you're on their property. Hmm. You know, I I was even thinking of things like, you know, all the hand sanitizing thing. I have a real aversion to hand sanitizer. I mean, even before COVID, it destroys my hands very quickly. It's, um, I don't know if it's my skin or whatever. I hate the smell. You know, they're very, very chemical. Um, when I used to have to go into hospitals and and other healthcare things and everything, it just, it wasn't, I mean, I would go and wash my hands, but I mean, I see some improving, um, you know, where they don't smell as bad and they don't seem to destroy my skin the way the standard ones did. But I spent most of the last two years, if I was anywhere, you know, with my hands all but bleeding you know from all the the stuff i mean do you even look at things like that like what is the hand sanitizing available or you know wipes or so i have a lot of conversations about high touch surfaces and you know what hotels are doing now do you remember six months ago or eight months ago when we were in hotels and and all you saw were porters everywhere and like you would touch a button and somebody would spray and clean it. I haven't seen that on site in a very long time. Um, And if you do see it, it's like on a half hour or an hour cycle. And so if, if, if I'm saying to someone, okay, we just flew 300 people here to this meeting, we're gonna put you all in one room, you're gonna use the same bathroom doors in you know push in pull out um i'm gonna ask my hotel can we have a a porter who's in that area all day while we're on site sanitizing those high touch surfaces mm-hmm. i want to know are you at night using your you know your spray disinfectant or the electric you know, light ones like a, that they have too right the mister kind of thing um, you know, is that practice still happening at your hotel or has that gone by the wayside? 
you know, we all know about how, how hard it is for venues with staffing, venues yep. and restaurants. So I have a hard time believing that they've prioritized housekeeping and sanitation. Well, housekeeping um, is one of the things they're the most short on. Right. And if they're going to do common areas, then they're going to be pulled from sleeping rooms. And, you know, right. how do you turn so it? So I am 100% thrilled to have those conversations, ask those questions, make sure those clauses are in the contract, and then hold them accountable mm-hmm. for, for delivering on what, what we've negotiated and contracted. And that, to me, all goes to the well-being of the attendee and really is our duty of care and we that's that's the way it should be yeah and of course a lot of this stuff we should have been doing before but we didn't know or we did know but it was let slide for a lot of different reasons you know um i mean i think about other illnesses and other you know just things that have happened that um you know eventually we kind of let slide how about legionnaires i was thinking of legionnaires too you still occasionally hear about a case. It's It hasn't been that long. I would say within the last three years, we've seen, we had seen yep. a couple. I remember. Legionnaires cases. Pre-COVID, I think. Pre-pandemic, yep. like the year before. Yep, yep, I remember. And I remember thinking, really? We know how to prevent this. This isn't, you know, every hotel should be able to, and again, it gets back to what you're saying about their whole a hvac filtration system etc etc yeah in this day and age it's kind of really sad that that would and most people probably don't even i mean most people listening to this don't remember or weren't even alive for the original legionnaire's (laughs) disease which atlanta wasn't it i think it was atlanta oh i don't i don't know the origin the original uh, and for those of you who don't know it's called that and it, it has to do with uh bacteria and all kinds of yucky things ending up in the air system because it hasn't been maintained and cleaned correctly and it's called that because there was a huge american legion air legionnaire legion american legion, american legion. there we go i was like wait no i got the wrong form of the word there meeting conference like a national one going on at the time and sadly a number of people died a number of people died because of this and everyone went what you know your air conditioner can kill you type thing yeah it turns out it can and you know we see like there's such an uptick in asthma there's an up like we're seeing more health conditions that people are living with yeah and i mean no one asks questions about asthmatics in registration right nobody says uh do you suffer asthma um, and yet being able to establish the confidence that these airway, you know, these ventilation systems, we've, we've taken care and asked the questions and kind of ensured the safety should help an asthmatic feel more comfortable, comfortable coming to an offsite meeting. Um, we see more autoimmune diseases we see, and people eat very specifically for autoimmune diseases. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, we don't ask those questions on registration well that's why i like um and i bring this up whenever i can uh many years ago i was sitting in a session with joe eisenstadt which many of you know or know of or have heard speak or whatever and we were discussing that thing on the registration you know uh do you have any disabilities do you have any and it was a very interesting uh session that we were in because um what they wanted to call it was like a Jew, a Christian, and an Arab go to a you know meeting. They weren't allowed to call it that, but and and what they were talking about was um, God bless them for you know even thinking of something like that, right? But what they were talking about was everything from prayer rooms and how needs special what we term special needs. Well, started out as disabilities, and some people still put that. But do you have any special needs needed to open up to some of the you know? prayer rooms, nursing rooms. Now we talk about quiet rooms. Um, You're talking about things with, you know, asthma and, you know, even allergies. Like right now, allergies, at least by us, uh, you know, people, you could tell it's just like started full blast. So those air filtration systems could help a lot of that too. You know, you're just miserable when your face feels like you just want to pull off the front because the allergies are getting to you right kelly we had this conversation earlier today (laughs) um but 
what she said because she didn't like the idea of special needs. She says we all, you know, a lot of people have things, but we think of special need as a disability. And again, she was talking about things like prayer rooms and just things. But she asked a question, and I'm probably paraphrasing it badly, but hopefully you'll get the ideas. Do you have any needs that we should know about so you can fully attend this meeting? Mm-hmm. And I love it. Because, and we we talked about we're going to get the people who are like, well, I'm doing keto diet now, so I need, you know, like the people that maybe are making choices more than things they must do, and that can get irritating. But it opened it up to things like you're talking about. I have asthma. I have, you know, I react to strobe lights. I need a, a quiet room or, you know, because of my ADD, ADHD, I need to be able to, whatever. And I love that question because then they can share some of those things you're talking about, you know. Um, Go ahead. So let me ask you this, because I agree with you. I mean, it can be a little bit of a Pandora's box. But as a planner, Joanne, Mm -hmm. what does one do with that information after they get it? And that's, I think, where I was trying to, to build something to be able to have the conversation once someone completes that form and says, I am keto, mm-hmm. or I I would like an air purifier in mm-hmm. my guest room. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you can accomplish those things and other times you can't. But if mm-hmm. you ask for the information and then ignore the answer. Oh, I would never think of ignoring it. I guess you're right. There are a lot of people that would just, if it wasn't something easy or simple or they knew how to do with it, they would just let it go, which is probably why someone like you is a good person to work with them because you have this well-rounded knowledge about so many things to do with health. But I mean, for me, and one of the things I found over the years, even with the most basics, when we started getting into dietary things and everything, I remember one woman listed things and heck, I didn't even know what a nightshade vegetable was at that point, but she listed like all these things. And I finally called her up and I said, you know, and I didn't, uh, please know, I was very careful how I worded it. I didn't want to think her to think I was being flip or sarcastic. And I said, I read this. I said, let me ask you, what can you eat? Because it was one of those lists and it truly was. She was almost in tears that someone bothered to call her. And I'm talking about 25 years ago, probably that someone, and you know, when we got on site, the chef came out and I had them meet. And she was just, she says, I've never attended anything where I felt like I could eat there. That like I'm getting goosebumps right this moment thinking about right. it because we want people to be engaged. We want people to feel like they belong, whole other levels of Maslow and everything. But you're right. If we ask for that information and blow it off, all it's going to do, excuse my language, is piss them off and make them think less of us and angry and less likely to come back and, oh, that's a joke. Um, go and ahead. If, you, if someone does put on their form that they eat in a way that you're not familiar with. So mm-hmm. maybe it's Weston Price, maybe it's, you know, Plant Strong. What does Plant Strong mean to you as opposed to what it means to Kelly or what it means yeah. to me? So, you know, what I am hoping to do is being able to, to work with these people and say, all right, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you the menu and I'm gonna be able to identify the items that work with the way that you eat I'm going to, you know, work with the chef and we're going to come up with dishes that perhaps are still on the regular menu, but we're going to modify them in ways that it will accommodate, you know, the 17 people who are gluten free or, you know, choose to be gluten free, not an allergy, they choose it. Yeah. And so just engaging, as you said, like just taking the time to show someone that their needs matter to you and you're, you know, you're considering everything. It goes so far and it does help reduce the food waste, which in the end helps the client and helps the property. And I mean, there are so many fingers that have a reach here when you're talking about a topic like this. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's just, and I, you know, people go, oh, I don't have that. You know, I got too much going on beforehand. I don't have time to talk to those 17 people or whatever it is. And it's like, 
you will pay somewhere along the way if you don't, you know? Um, so, yeah. And the other thing we're seeing now is, you know, companies are still offering the virtual component. So, you know, if a company does a meeting and you have to be vaccinated to attend, so automatically the people who are unvaccinated are not attending. So they, they are building the virtual piece into it. Now you extend the opportunity for people to attend virtually who just prefer to attend virtually. So the companies, the expense that the companies are going to, to accommodate that piece of a meeting, um, if we're hoping to eventually do away with virtual meetings, now you, it's important that you're establishing the confidence for your attendees to attend and feel safe. Um, so, you know, while it may cost a little bit more for a, a food and beverage program that does take all of this into consideration, you're, you're in the end, the it's savings an investment. for not having to do a virtual component Hopefully it's, you know, a, a better situation or at least a break even point, but um, it's just an ongoing dialogue. And, and I feel like it's not one size fits all this blueprint for a healthy meeting because every group has different needs and every attendee needs to feel comfortable and confident and safe coming to a meeting. That's my goal. So, and I like, you know, the wellness aspect it's, I want to. I want to see us do away with that 6 a.m. yoga class um, <laughs> because we think that that's what everyone wants to do. They don't. You know, maybe we have a running guide. Maybe we do a walking course. Maybe we have four different fitness options. A local rowing class that you know we'll pay your $10 fee to go in and do rowing. But if if I do something at home and you're asking me to come to an offsite for three or four days. I would like to be able to live as close to how I live at home when I'm on when I'm on site. Your circadian clock, your yeah, your lifestyle, All absolutely, of it. And, All, of it. Um, All of it, and it keeps people going. So, one, did you have any final points? And two, I want them to tell you about what we talked about that you would be willing to send to people, too, which ties in. <laughs> So I have to revamp it a little bit, but I'm more than happy to send it. I had produced, I, I exhibited at the um, Administrative Professionals Conference, which was so fun and had a ton of conversations with people who are like, food allergy forms are the worst. So um, in preparation for that exhibition, I prepared a card that really kind of uh, explains some common they're not food allergies. They're ways people eat, like Hindu lacto-vegetarianism, mm -hmm. what halal and kosher versus glot kosher and what those mean. So and my hope was to educate planners and clients um, instead of, and, and reduce the intimidation over these conversations. So it was just a guide on some of those more popularly seen eating patterns and, and programs that people do. I need to update it now for things like, you know, plant strong and stuff like that. It's probably been a year or two since I looked at it, but um, I would be happy to send it, so. So we will include Sharon's uh, contact information when we post the podcast, but also you can find her at mosaicmeetings.com, I assume. I, again, really well, would have been good if I mosaic meetings and events.com i had to, I, it's long 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 no but i need to do my homework but great host can't get her certifications right can't get her website right i apologize everyone it's for okay. that it's um, all right. but oh uh you know what we didn't really talk about um and ironically i'm probably going to mute my mic while you talk because I realized I need to put something in my system after a couple of hours of, of doing stuff. Um, is uh, how can a, a meeting planner, you know, we talked about the meeting planning office. How can a meeting planner prepare better to? Oh, great question. Great question. I actually uh, was at an offsite a few weeks ago with an amazing team, and we were all very different. I mean, I'm 51 years old. There was, uh, everybody else on the team was probably at least 20 years younger than me. Um, and so the office, you know, where we 
met every morning and and debriefed every night and you know people took calls in there and they did took their breaks and they ate their meals um it was just a hodgepodge of snacks and garbage i mean i travel i'm, I'm in love with a product called the protein puck um it's a very calorically dense like powerhouse of protein and nuts and seeds but that's how i like to eat it's not for everybody and then somebody else rolls in with like three bags of you know peppermint patty minis and kit kat minis and things like that um so i i think that working first with your csm making sure that you have access to bottled water and you know beverages all day long that's key water you need water we're so busy running around on site we're not taking care of ourselves the way we should be we're certainly not eating at the times and in the ways that we do when we're home so be ask the question you know be clear about how you want to eat and and ask the hotel to provide those things you know i worked um at a hotel recently and i called the chef because i'm a pushy broad and i said hey can you make for my team like these some kind of energy bite like just a oats and honey and peanut butter and you know first i made sure nobody had a nut allergy but i said you know could you make these for us and and just keep them in a little refrigerator in our office and he did and i mean i i know to ask for those things but everybody who was on the team was like oh these are great and you could pop one in your mouth and off you go um as planners and people who are asked to function at a very high level and with a with astute attention to detail all day long um feed yourself with like powerful foods uh, i'm happy to have that conversation with anybody about like a little kit um of you what you can design can like a um sorry i didn't tell him i was coming back on maybe you could design okay. like a sample like menu for what meeting planners should have in their office on site i think that'd be way cool sure or even products that are out there, you know, little mm -hmm. like snack products that are out there that kind of are, again, calorically dense because that's gonna be key. Nobody really has time to sit down um, and eat like a full plate of food. I mean, you're shoveling things in because you have 15 minutes to get back down on the floor. Well, and it's funny because um, I'm eating a Luna bar right now. Hopefully nobody's hearing me. Um, but the first time I had one of these, I was on site at a meeting. Yeah. And Luna is no carbs? Is that the no, no carbs? No, it bar? has carbs. It okay. has complex carbs. 28 grams of complex carbs. Okay. And protein of... <laughs> They're lemon-flavored, folks. Yeah, mine are lemon-flavored. Um, I'm looking right through the protein right now. But anyway, they're one yeah, of them. Yeah, I mean, things like overnight oats or um, <coughs> oatmeal every single day. I love it. But... Eat, you know, overnight oats or um, even a yogurt parfait. Like if you really want to just eat what the hotel has to offer, what you want to do is just make sure that they are providing you something that is fresh and ready when you have the time to eat it. You know, how often do we <laughs> get on site, breakfast starts at seven, we get the last call at 8.30 to run down to the breakfast buffet and fix a plate which you then put down because general session is kicking off and you get back to it 40 minutes later and everything is ice cold you take three bites nothing tastes good because it's not warm anymore and so you don't eat and then the exact same thing happens at lunch and this it just continues and continues and continues and i think you know we talked about this the other day when we were talking about you coming on <coughs> excuse me is um we all know we need to take care of ourselves and we all know that means different things but the reality is we will never get to do what people think we're going to get to do like really eat breakfast really eat lunch really eat dinner right and as you're describing so go in with the idea that you won't be able to and as you're saying put right foods nearby an easy to eat function that will truly take care of you right and I, I mean, that's got to be part of what I hear you saying and I'm thinking about is this has to be part of the menu planning, the staff office and not all the junk food and all the, you know, um, 
And we also have to get meeting planners to understand, like you were saying about the dancers, all carbs are not bad. You need, you know. Right. Because everyone, you know, we all went through this thing of, oh, carbs are all bad and you're going to gain weight and but you're not going to make it through the meeting and especially when you're usually dealing with less than sleep than you need to so a hundred percent and listen there are the people out there who want that bag of doritos or we all do at some point and there's nothing wrong with it but you can't live on five days of meetings on it either you can't if you if you've barely eaten breakfast and lunch and all your access to is donut holes at the break or babka or doritos and cheetos and fritos you're not going to get very far you'll you'll be okay for a day or two but by day three and four you are not going to have the energy nor the the brain function to be on point for your clients and the attendees yeah but i think that would be a great list or something for you to design you know Mm -hmm. menu for the meeting planning office or something like that i'm sure a lot of people would be really grateful for that my dad always had a saying god rest his soul he would say if you pack your own chute and it doesn't open, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. <laughs> and I I have taken that to heart in every aspect of my life, but for me, it it's like the biggest piece is that I know how to take care of myself and if I don't prepare to be taken care of in the way that I need and I'm and then I'm not, I can't, I can't blame anyone but myself. Yeah. So, I um I love the idea, Joanne, and I will put together that little planner kit. Well, and that would help because you have such knowledge that would take us forever to put together. And every three articles you read disagree. And, you know, so after a while, you don't know. And, you know, I don't want to go to four years of school or six years of school or whatever to learn why simple carbs, complex carbs, uh, balancing them against your protein, you know. Yeah, so I just think that would be really huge. Did you want to say something, Steve? Um, yeah, um, kind of. It's kind of related. <laughs> okay, as Joanne will tell you, um, like when we go out to eat, uh, I like restaurants, and I like to go in kitchens, and I like those restaurants that have yeah. the big glass walls and you can watch everybody back there. And oh, yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes I will count the number of people, and there will be 17, 18 people, and I called it a symphony, which is very similar to a mosaic. And then I got to thinking about, I mean, they were all moving around. They weren't bumping into each I'd have been, like, dropping stuff and everything else. But then I got to thinking, even before that, all the planning that they have to go through to have all the stuff to cook on the time, you know, fresh stuff on the time. And then when uh, uh, Joanne did CMP at Sea, uh, we got to do a ship tour and we got to go in one of their three kitchens, I think they had on that ship. Oh, more than that. But big, I mean, there was more than 20 people there. There was probably 200. Um, We saw one guy who made, what, 3,000 sushis or... um, uh, sushi roll or what do they call it? Yeah, sushi rolls. Three thousand for each cruise, and uh, wow. that's that's pretty much all he did. And uh, but the kitchens there were, and he was explaining, and uh, it was just fascinating. To, it is a symphony to feed what there's five thousand people on those ships, and uh, some of them a lot more. But yeah, yeah. And they have some. The restaurants are open, not restaurant buffet lines are open almost twenty four hours a day, and then they have their sit down meals. And it truly is a symphony to bring all of that together, or a big mosaic. I think just thought I'd throw that in (laughs) and I think too that you know that's a great point Steve and that's probably why a lot of people are hesitant to have the conversation or the chef is very quick to say no (laughs) when you ask for special things Mm -hmm. you know we we live in a society where procrastination is like a, a norm but because I have the working knowledge of like the production timelines, the ordering timelines. I know that I can't ask a chef for something on Tuesday that I'm going to need on Thursday and expect the answer to be yes. So I'm going to have start to have that conversation the week before, if not two weeks before. What was that one series um, we were watching where uh, it was about all the events and things, and she was saying she had a she had a. A menu change, and she was dreading to go see the chef. Oh, I don't know. I, uh, it was, you know, behind the scenes on something. Mm, I but, don't know. Uh, anyway, she was dreading to go see the chef, but it all worked out rather well. 
I forget what it was. But yeah, I think you're right. That inside knowledge of how the operations work <laughs> and 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 what a kitchen needs to know and the culinary staff needs to know by when it does. No. It makes it for a whole what is possible, what isn't possible, and working around it. But and a um, lot of chefs now are. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, sure. go ahead. Um, a lot of chefs now are much more adept and nimble when it comes to, you know, food restrictions, food preferences. Oh, yeah, and they're like much that. more the knowledgeable. conversation t- 10 years ago was an ugly conversation. Yep. You know, people were like, oh, gluten-free, that's BS. <laughs> it's yeah. not BS. Right. And whether they need gluten-free or they want gluten-free, we should have gluten-free. So... Um, yeah, the conversations are easier to have, but I think there's still that stigma uh, that a chef or a venue is not is not going to be, you know, willing to accommodate what you're asking for. So, yeah, a lot of pieces. Anything else you want to stick in before we wrap? No, <laughs> I, I'm so I so appreciate you having me on. I mean, I could talk about this every day, all day. It's an important topic, and if you if attendee satisfaction is even a, on your mind a little bit, this is a conversation we should be having. Before it's also an time. ROI conversation, I really believe, because the people who can most fully attend and participate in a meeting and feel good doing it are going to create the ROI. Yeah. And so if people need to see the bottom line, you know, this is it. So, so if they, I am, you know, mosaic meetings and events, Joanne, if you want to share my contact information, I am happy to engage in any kind of conversation with anybody who wants to have it. I will send resources, the, the food preference sheet, and then the, I'll create the little planner kit. I think it's a great idea. And um, I just really am so grateful for you inviting me on today. Well, and Kelly will make sure that all that contact information is yes. wherever we can post it and in the right. e-guide and social media and some mm-hmm. of the podcast ones you can push extra information, some you can't. What is your email, Sharon, in case someone just wants to grab it from here? It's Sharon at mosaicmeetingsandevents.com and it's all spelled out. Even the and. I wish I had thought about that before. <laughs> when i was choosing it like people were like why wouldn't you just be mosaics mosaic meetings mosaic.com but it's sharon at mosaic meetings and events.com well and my blueprint website is under construction right now because i changed it during covid so it's not active but um the mosaic meetings and events.com one is well and you still have all the information in your head so they can get it from you oh, yeah you, yeah and so, there's a page on the website about the blueprint, but the actual blueprint site is right now down for construction. Sounds good. Um, Steve, anything else? Kelly, how about you? This was probably a lot of new stuff for you. It was, yes. I, I think it was very interesting and definitely something very, very important. And I one thing I was wondering, has like those conversations that we've had with like companies, have they gotten easier than maybe the past five years? Like have people, cause I, I've been seeing how like, I guess people are more health conscious um, and maybe even with COVID too. I was just wondering, have those conversations gotten a little bit easier? They have, I think people understand, you know, um, the I call it the price at the pump. Mm-hmm. People understand that um, food costs are increasing, special requests always come at a at an increased cost. So that conversation has definitely gotten easier to have. Um, in the beginning, I think people were like, well, if, if somebody needs gluten-free, um, we shouldn't be charged extra. And I agree. However, the cost of those products are a little bit more. And so I wanna be able to say, you know, where a regular dinner roll might cost 17 cents as part of a menu price, the gluten-free dinner roll is actually, you know, 43 cents. And so there will be a, you know, there, you can expect to see a little bit of an increased cost. Uh, that's definitely gotten easier to have. And um, I think there are still going to be the, the folks who are very intimidated by the conversation and, and don't even want to broach it. I, I always ask when a client hires me, I always ask them to send me their dietary survey that they would send to a 
an attendee. And I laugh because some of them are like three questions. Some of them are 33 questions. <laughs> and some of them are just like, you know, an open-ended, do you have any special dietary requirements? Um, taking that information and doing something with it is the magic bullet. Always. Always. Yeah. I did have yeah. one more thought. You know, Joanne, I know we're going to end here very quickly. But, you know, Joanne and I are both speakers. And, and as a speaker, you always hate to be the one right after lunch because everybody gets sleepy. Is it uh, something uh, food-wise that could be done? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, We've absolutely. We've talked about that for absolutely. years. <laughs> Go ahead, Sharon. Yeah, absolutely. And I disagree with you. I would I would rather be right after lunch than after the afternoon break. Because <laughs> yeah. that afternoon break is always sugar laden. Always, <laughs> always, always. Yeah. People think everybody wants cookies and brownies after two and a half hours after lunch. And that's not the case. But yes, Steve, to your point, there are many ways to modify a menu so that protein, complex carbohydrates, and, you know, good quality seasonal fruits and vegetables are in place and then it's not white processed flour i remember the first time i heard any of these concepts uh, way back in my early days and someone said this was when there was a lot of changes going on in corporations and they said if the ceo is delivering bad news after lunch feed him pasta (laughs) that was the piece of advice so they would be like down uh, like yeah calmer asleep whatever yeah seriously i mean it was half a joke half true if you want to know right. the truth but anyway the thing that i hope happens in our lifetime is i would love to see breakfast done differently especially for a one-day meeting like breakfast to me when you're starting a meeting at eight or nine o'clock and people are just traveling in for one day yeah. it's not an overnight chances are they've eaten before they left they had something in the car they've had their coffee and then you get on site and it's bacon eggs potatoes all the continental items like bagels and danish (laughs) a little bit of fruit nobody eats it they you know they might take a plate but they don't eat it but it is so laden with all the wrong things and then the, the morning is shot you know, the attention mm. span when people get on site in the morning for a one day meeting, you have to have them optimi- optimized for the for the kickoff of that meeting. And we're not doing that. The breakfast menu is not. There's an that. article for you. We were talking about articles. That would be a good one. Yeah. Changing breakfast and why. And that's a good. Right. Yeah. A lot of things to change. Hopefully people are paying more attention. I've been forced to the past couple of years because I've discovered that some, you know, issues or challenges or moments have been affected by what I was or wasn't eating. Um, And so it's made me far more aware and I can look back with a lot more knowledge about why things have happened at different times in my life. But um, I really thank you for coming on. I'm sure someday we'll have you back on. Uh, but in the meantime, um, thank you very much. Uh, Kelly will get all this wonderful information and how to reach you. Um, and uh, Steve, you want to say? Thank you and sayonara. Okay, Kelly. <laughs> thank you. That may not be politically correct anymore. Um, <laughs> Arrivederci. <laughs> um, Sharon, thank you very much for being here. Really appreciate it. Um And uh, thanks to all of you for uh, tuning in for this episode of Sit in the Attendee's Chair. And we will see slash talk to you next time. Bye. It was wonderful to be together. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.